Welcome to the Cocktail Lovers Podcast. I'm Sandra. And I'm Gary. And together, we are the Cocktail Lovers. We're a married couple and we've been writing about cocktails for the past 12 years. But this is the place where we'll be talking about cocktails. We're going to be talking about products. We're going to be talking about books. And we're going to be talking about the bars that we love and we think that you'll love too. We'll also be checking in with some of the biggest names in the industry and asking them to share their top tips with us to help you up your mixing game at home. We like to think of ourselves as your new best friends cocktail wise so let's hear what's on the show this week we didn't plan it but we've got a bit of a martini vibe going on in this episode it starts with the drink we're making and continues with our two product reviews the first is elite vodka the other the long-awaited re-released beefeater crown jewel both are perfect stars for your cocktail glass depending on your martini preference, of course. Our book review is Cocktails A Still Life, featuring recipes and stunning oil paintings of drinks, including martinis, by Todd M. McCasey. And our featured bar sees us in Athens, where we drop in to check out the awesome and truly inspiring bar, Line. And as we're counting down the days to Christmas, we catch up with Dawn Davies, buying director at Speciality Drinks, to talk best bottles to build your drinks cabinet, the next big thing in spirits, and how to buy drinks for the cocktail lovers in your lives. But first, we are the cocktail lovers, so let's get started on that martini-esque cocktail. Today is the 1st of December, but next Monday is the 5th of December. Ring in any bells? No. No? Okay. Well, I'll let you off. It's actually Rip Hill Day, ah. which is obviously big in the US. Not, yes. Not so perhaps elsewhere, because we didn't have those dark days of prohibition for whatever it was. Thank the Lord for that. <laughs> we didn't have that. But I think it is something worth celebrating. Hmm. And, you know, we've got a lot of friends and listeners uh, in the US. So I think we should raise a glass with them in celebration of Repeal Day. Yes, absolutely. Let's do it. Let's do it. So (laughs) I was doing a little bit of research. I knew some of this, but it's always good to do a bit of research. Then it sounds like... And put it all into context and give you a bit of a brain boffinery thing. Yeah, creates (laughs) creates the illusion I know what I'm talking about. love Um, it (laughs) but the man who was responsible for repealing prohibition Hmm. was president franklin d roosevelt Ah. and legend has it and i like as we always say we love the legends of the cocktail world Hmm. cocktail law legend has it that he celebrated a repeal of prohibition by having his favorite drink a dry martini we love Mr. Roosevelt. We, we do love FDR. And let's talk about what was his sort of preferred option. Some say it was a dirty martini, quite possibly. But there is a cocktail named in his honour called the Franklin. So I thought, let's go with I the Franklin. I haven't heard of that. So what is it? Well, you're going to find out. You're and taste, taste it and as taste well. It. Well, why don't I just unfold my story? Okay, go on. And then on you'll then. find out. Mm-hmm. So it's basically a version of a dry martini. And I know we've done one or two dry martinis over the over the course of these episodes. But I think there's always room for another variation. Would Absolutely. You agree? Yeah, definitely. <laughs> So I've got my martini glasses chilling. I'm putting a little ice, well, I say a lot of ice, plenty of ice, as we always say, into my mixing glass. And you'll spot a few interesting variations as we go. Hang on. Mm. I'm really intrigued by this because, A, I haven't heard of a Franklin. I, maybe it's something very common yeah. and I should have heard of it, but I haven't. And also, I'm really looking forward to seeing what this particular <laughs> twist is. Right. Well, wait no longer, my friend. Indeed. <laughs> Let's do it. So, first up, um, going with uh, 30 mil each of dry vermouth now this is already where it starts to get kind of interesting so Mm. let me get that a stir hang on there we go i've got i've got just just the the, uh, dry vermouth in there right giving that a stir 
And I am going to discard the vermouth. All 30 mouths. All 30 mouths. So I'm just putting that into a handy dish that I had nearby. So getting rid of that. So it seems a bit of a waste. But it really know, does. It does. No, you've got to do something with that afterwards. Uh, because in this world that we're living yeah. in, you cannot be throwing away good alcohol. Well, I, what about putting it into a risotto? Because Okay. It won't have diluted that much. And we do like um, to use vermouth in our risotto. So folks, as Sandra pointed out, that won't go to waste. We're going to put that to one side and that will be going into a risotto in the next few days. Great. But still, sorry. I mean, if you're going to discard it, did it need to be 30 mils? Could it have been any amount of vermouth? I mean, that's a good question. I've got my mixing glass filled almost to the brim with ice. So... I guess I wanted to make oh, sure right, that to, it was, it was kind it. of, okay. it's in there. It's, when it, it's kind of interesting. Yes, it's discarded, but, but it's, it's not like it's gone completely. It's clung on to it's the... It's clung on to the ice. Mm. It's clung on to the... Clung is a good word, isn't it? Clung on to the ice. Clung <laughs> not on like a cling on, but a clung on. <laughs> <laughs> to the, the mixing glass. So, and also, I can smell it on, mm, on okay. the mixing glass. So it is doing, it is doing work there. Now... In terms of the next ingredient, I am doing 75 mil each wow. of London dry gin. Crikey. <laughs> so that can. And now, um, and this is something we've played with on and off over the years with our dry martinis, orange bitters. Mm. So I know we, we went through a phase we we used it a lot in our drive. Always, yes, yes. And then you sort of drift away mm. and try other things. But I think one thing we did learn, and I remember you commenting on this a lot at the time, was orange bitters are very intense, mm. so don't overdo them. They mm-hmm. make a statement, but you don't mm. need lots of them. Would you agree? Absolutely. I love the, um, there's almost like a curry type yes. thing that they add to it, which I quite like. But as you say, you have to keep it paired back. You mustn't um, go bonkers on your dashes with the orange bitters. No. So how many have you I, put I in? I literally put in one for it. One for the, so right, okay. One in, and it okay. is, they are strong mm. in a very good way. Mm. So I'm stirring that down. Actually, I'm going to put a little bit more ice. ice. Yeah, because it's yeah. There you go. Just tilt that up. Yeah, because it does. It's just stirring. You can see it going down. Mm. So, which is what it's supposed yeah. to do. Which is nice. And I'm just gonna have a little taste there. See what's going on in in my glass. I find it interesting as well that um, Franklin did choose a martini as his repeal day cocktail or to celebrate the fact yeah. that prohibition had ended and also going so generous on the measures. I guess that um, <laughs> makes perfect sense. You would go a little bit OTT, well, wouldn't you? I think that's a very good I'm sure voice. there were many a party being thrown on that day. Yeah. So as I said earlier, the our martini glasses have been chilling. I'm just discarding the ice. So, yeah, that's it. In, well, almost it. Let me pour that off. So, yeah, it's it's a, a hint of vermouth. It's a lot of gin. gin. A little bit of orange bitters. And now the other bit, and this is a really, a really important bit in terms of the name. Apparently, FDR... I liked his dry martinis with olives, mm-hmm. not, not a twist. And he really liked olives, apparently. So he used to request not one, but two olives in his martinis. So I am following his... So lead. just plopped in, not um, um, not on a stick no, or anything? Just dropping those in. Because mm. Also, it's nice because they'll be they float at picking the up some of the flavour of the martini and you can look forward to eating those right at the end mm. and we're using some lovely Fortnum and mason cocktail olives especially we're for so fancy so <laughs> we are so we're fancy. so damn fancy. So, fancy so that is why it's called a franklin because it's with two olives um and you know or and indeed the way it was made so um, let me pass that over to you wonderful and, uh, Here's to FDR, here's to Repeal Day, the Franklin. Cheers. Happy Repeal Day, everybody. Cheers. Cheers. Wow, that is good. Well done, FDR. We salute you. Okay, flinging open the drinks cabinet doors this week. Uh Uh-huh. And I have got 
I was going to say in my hand. It's all within my grasp. Right. Elite vodka. Brilliant. We've been talking about vodkas and saying how we think they're going to be, well, get the love that they deserve. Yeah, we have. We've been talking about it just between ourselves. And I think we've touched on it on, on, mm. on this podcast over the last year or so. Yeah, it does keep it's on our radar, I think. Definitely. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And, uh, and there are some really good examples out there. And I think this could well be another really good example so it's elite vodka it comes from latvia right and it's been around i believe for maybe getting on for 20 years something like that and very briefly i will go through what i found out about how it's produced because it is mind-boggling right okay but i'm gonna race strap in folks (laughs) (laughs) buckle up buckle up it talks about they they source ultra high quality great great it's distilled slowly great distilled three times Mm -hmm. fantastic results in a pure spirit they then blend it with artesian mineral water which is uh, very rich in minerals it's then filtered through super fine quartz sand to remove impurities of course and then through birchwood charcoal and then and this is the bit where i think it becomes unique it goes through a what they call a signature freeze filtration process at minus 18 centigrade which i believe is unique to them so there's all sorts of things going on here which i guess is all about purity also about extracting and kind of flavor from that grain mm. and you know what let me let you into a little secret okay. here i was a judge on their global finals just recently okay so you i were. do know all of those bits about um, elite <laughs> vodka and absolutely it was a nice revelation to actually hear all of these things and actually hear the competitors talking about the vodka and what it brings to right. the martini experience okay. so i'll Go back over no, to you now. I'm, I'm glad you've sort of thrown that in or chipped in or, or lobbied it in. Yeah, <laughs> sorry. In. Um, no, 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 absolutely. And, and I think it is important because sometimes you read those things and you think, what the hell? But what it made me feel when I was reading it was, well, there's a lot of work. Care, attention. This, love yeah. and attention mm. and craftsmanship. Mm. So I think that's fantastic. Let's talk briefly about the bottle. It's very tall, very thin. Um, slim, I would say. Slim Jim. Mm. Yeah, it's very slim. And it's got, you know, it's it's pretty understated. It's Most of the glass is clear. There's a, like a lovely little matte black finish at the top for the leading up to the cap. I mean, it looks to be elegant yes I know it that's is. a word i perhaps overuse. you do overuse it but, but in this no. case i think that it's justified yeah and they make a little feature because it's it's not i think it's also worth saying they've not gone down that route of vodka of let's do all the sort of what's how would you describe it like, like gothic type and red and black oh and yes, yes yes it's kind of mm. like everything is paired back the typography is very contemporary and they make a little feature of the 18 the minus 18 which i referred to because obviously that is their signature mm. the distinguishing thing about it really is the shape isn't it yes mm. it looks great um so while, you, while we're saying that i'm just taking the cap off right let me just pour you out a little well, this is interesting because you've tried it, judging that competition. Yes. I've never tried it. Right. It's, so it was um, Elite Martini Masters. And yeah, um, yeah it was great. It's a really good, interesting competition where they were charged with making martinis, but in a sustainable way as well. So it's lovely. Very really, good really good. Okay. So what are you getting on the nose, young Well, that, that's the thing, isn't it? That, um with vodka, because I think, as you alluded to earlier, it gets a bit of a bad rap sometimes, mm. as though there's nothing going on. I think this has got a lot going on. Yeah. It's kind of malty. It's kind of rich. It's kind of promising me, I think, that it is going to be rich when I taste mm. it. It's a great, um, for me, mm. well, I, I suppose I've, I've been... Uh, not indoctrinated, but I have had a little bit yeah, of um, background it. in it. But I really love it. It has got this real silky smoothness to it. That it has got this richness. It's very, another word we like to use, when it's mm. due, unctuous. It has oh, got this lovely viscosity to it. And mm. it is really smooth. It it's, really You can drink this neat, definitely. It is. We're having it at room temperature. Mm. There's 
all sorts of things going on. It's got a wee bit of sweetness, mm. which I really didn't expect at all. Mm. It's got a little bit of heat, but the heat is so, no. yeah, yeah. so subtle. Mm. This is, I almost shouldn't use the word heat, but it's just very gently just warming me. Yes. Really gently. Yes. That's better than heat, I yeah. guess, the warmingness of it. It's, uh, it's lovely. And it is mm. something, you know, there are vodka drinkers out there that feel almost ashamed to say that they're vodka drinkers. But this is something that makes you really proud of the fact, I oh, think. And I, I think I, that I really even like if that. you you usually a gin martini person, yeah. Yeah. it's worth switching it up sometimes and just seeing the complexity that vodka can bring to your martini. Yeah, it, it, it is. And I think the thing is, as you said, the mouthfeel is very creamy mm. and it makes you want to sort of think, well, as you said, let's you can drink it neat, which we're doing. But I looked at some of their recipes on the website and one that really struck me because you mentioned the martini. And I used to, when I first drank dry martinis many years ago. Oh, I, you I, were a vodka I martini. I drank vodka mm. martinis for many, many years before I was introduced to gin. And now I occasionally go back, but this makes me really want to go back to a vodka martini. And their serve is really interesting. Bearing in mind what we made at the top of the show, the gin one, where mm. we discarded the vermouth and we had the, the gin with some orange bitters. Their recipe for a dry martini, a classic martini, I should say, was no vermouth. Yeah. So they've literally had stirred this over ice and served it in a chilled glass with either lemon or olives. And I think that's really interesting because then there's nowhere to hide there. No. It's got to be a great experience if you're not putting any other ingredients. Absolutely, and it definitely stands up to that. Yeah. And the other thing I did like on the website as well was with their uh, few serves is they suggest pairings. So with this, with the dry martini, they suggest um, oysters, which I think of course, could work lovely. really, mm. really well. And similarly, they've got another recipe, um, which is mainly elite vodka with a dash of smoky whiskey and herbal liqueur and serving that with strong cheeses. So mm. I like the fact that they've said what, Pairing what suggestions. Pair yeah, the, yeah, yeah. Their serves with. And particularly now, we're coming up to party season and celebrations and things yeah. like that. So if you're having a little cocktail soiree, there you go. Yeah, pairings already worked out. But I, yeah, I absolutely love this. So do we have prices and details? We do. It's a 40% ABV, I should have said earlier. It's round about £44 for a 70CL bottle. And details, as always, are on the Cocktail Lovers website. So, Martini Lovers, have we got something for you. This is super special and something that people have been waiting for for years, I think. And also, this episode is turning into a bit of a a martini celebration and nothing wrong with that. Absolutely. So, what we're talking about, my friends, is the relaunch of Beefeater crown jewel fantastic this is one of your favorite gins isn't it it is i mean we were lucky enough to have this and i'm going back years what 12 years oh no more i I think maybe 17 18 years we had it the first time at a great defunct place called the east room and, oh, and we had yes. it in our dry martinis. Mm. I think that was around about the time you, I was persuading you that a dry martini was a very good thing that you should have in your life. <laughs> and they were making them there with Crown Jewel. And they were. And we have got a bottle of the old one, still just a little yeah, we bit eat left. we it out we're, on special occasions. Yeah, we're just hanging on. But we don't have to anymore no. because they've relaunched it. So, Beefeater Crown Jewel, what are we talking about? It's an ultra-premium gin london dry gin created by beef eater obviously and distilled by their master distiller desmond payne the, the great wonderful desmond, desmond payne, payne mbe yes so this gin is inspired by the jewels housed in the tower of london right and we were lucky enough to go to the launch weren't we and we, we were very we had a very fantastic blessed. tour of the crown jewels we saw all of that we had a wonderful meal we did all of the things and got to experience beefy to crown jewel which we already knew that we loved but there was yeah. no shame in trying it all again was no, <laughs> no. it was amazing and so many people were so happy this has been a gin that bartenders around the world yes. have been crying out for yeah. to get it back in production and they've done that so 
This was available as a limited edition 20 years ago. Mm. And as we said, it was a firm favourite with bartenders and, and Gary. <laughs> <laughs> well, us, actually. Yeah. And, you know, it. I, I can't even begin to describe how fantastic it this is. is. I think it's hard to describe, but this is a significant moment in gin history. It is. Well, it is for us. So it is an elevated version of the Beef Eater London Dry. Which is amazing. Yes. and But this has heightened sort of citrus notes and grapefruit peel and things like that, which are added to the nine botanicals that yeah. are in the original Beef Eater. There's also the other thing that is whopping 50% ABV. So Goodness this is not me. something for little, mm. you know introductory starters to to the gin category. This is for real gin lovers and real appreciation of gin category. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, I'm getting so excited. I'm getting my words all mixed up. Why not? Right, so... The bottle is very different to the original yes. one. The original one was a sort of purple, more hexagonal. Not yeah. hexagonal, it was it, quite... Yeah, it was... How would you describe it? Yeah, it was tall, quite slender. Yes. I, it's funny you said... What colour did you say? It wasn't it purple? Yeah, but, well, this is... Isn't it funny the way your mind plays tricks? Yeah. I thought it was a deep blue, but a deep blue and a purple could be quite close. I th- Well... Hmm, okay. Because they're all dual colours. Yes. Um so this one This the very describe very, that. This is friend. very, very different. Because also we should say this is one litre. Yes. So it's a little bit bigger. It's square, it's very solid in the hand. And it's it is a, a brick. It's, 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 it's very it, much a it, London brick. Yeah, it is an elegant London brick. And it's kind of trying to it's a is that a ruby red, would yes, you say? A ruby yes, red, which yes. I think is a key jewel yeah. in the crown jewels. Mm. It's got a lovely gold really heavy gold cap which i'm not going to take out because i'm going to let you do that oh crikey and um, (laughs) and then it's got a lovely gold embossed label on the front which is understated beefy to london crown jewel that's all it says and then embossed on the side it says beef eater so and it it's a feels, lovely bottle. It just feels isn't it? lovely in the hand. It feels like you're in for something special. Well, you know that you're in for something special. I mean, you've got the rare, the ruby, you've got the gold, and it just stands really proud, and it feels lovely in the hand. It does. It's it? certain things you want to hold. Yeah, them, yeah, don't yeah. You? And also, them. there's this yeah. lovely. Um, raised uh what the, sort of the embossing on yeah, the yeah, side yeah. and that really feels very tactile the whole thing it. is premium premium yeah, premium, yeah, yeah. isn't it yeah so that's a stopper yeah that's a cork stopper yeah oh wow that's already just burst Gimme. out of here yeah yeah so i hope your messes are as generous as mine mm. yeah oh they are good yeah well done in this case they are <laughs> beautiful Beautiful bottle. Wow. Bursting this is, with This is definitely Christmas present material. I'm saying it's just, if you have a gin lover in your life, oh. the bottle alone is, you know, just stunning, isn't yes, it? Yes, it is, yeah. And then so, quote closely followed by the aroma, which mm, is equally stunning. Yeah, this is the business. It's like, it really it's like uber gin, isn't yeah. it? Everything you love about a good in gin stereo, is there. Yes. Yeah. Mm. Wow. That is beautiful. Oh, my goodness. There's lots of warming spices in there. Mm. Yeah. Um, you get the citrus as yeah. well. And it is, as I sort of said about the aroma, that's everything you want to like about a great mm. gin is just amplified. Mm. Is just... There's also, you know, the thing, it's 50%, and we are drinking it neat. We're tasting it neat, not At drinking room it. Temperature, it. Yeah. yeah. But there is a sort of sweetness as well, isn't there? Yes, yes. Also, the thing about we always, I think, nearly always taste our spirits um, knee at room temperature, and something about gin. Mm. And I think you may have mentioned this before. Historically, you don't think of gin as a sipping spirit. You think of like dark spirits, definitely. Mm. But something like this, just sipping it neat at room temperature, is wonderful. But just maybe over a little ice or something. Well, to me, I'm only doing the sipping neat because you just want to get the full taste of what it yeah. is and what it can bring to something else. I would prefer this in cocktails. For me, it's not a sipping gin, but I'm appreciating it for the crafting that's, right. that's behind it. And, you know, we 
as we're saying, at the um, lovely launch that we went to, we tried it in an array of cocktails, some beautiful oh. martinis, yes. definitely martinis. And then a French 75, which mm. was just like, whoa, 75 gone bonkers. But yeah, in yeah. a way, of the, the flavours really just came out in that. So, yes, you could have this over ice, but for me, it's definitely a martini thing yeah. all the way. Also, so I would say as well, though, Going back to my point about how you can and can't, or not can and can't, but different ways you've you, we've been educated mm. to drink gin. Why not make this as an old fashioned? Yeah, why not? I think this would make a brilliant old fashioned. Well, it definitely stands up to it, doesn't yeah. it? So that would bring a whole different story to. You're going to get fashioned. one of those, and then we can see. I might even make one for maybe one we of these should episodes. do that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But until that time, this is Beefeater Crown Jewel, yeah. and it, the re-released Beefeater Crown Jewel. It is sixty pounds for a one liter bottle. Available in 16 countries, I think, at the moment. And they've got some big plans coming soon. So I would say rush out and buy your bottle because they're not going to be hanging around long, I think. So have a little look at our Instagram feed to see the beauty of this thing in all its glory. And now for a cocktail hack from one of our experts. Hi, my name is Sly Gustin. I'm the owner of Trailer Happiness Cocktail Bar. And my cocktail hack is falernum. Falernum is a delicious syrup that contains spices, almond nuts, and lime. And it basically brings to any drink so many of the core ingredients that you want to bring to a cocktail. So with just a few ingredients, you can create a really delicious, complex drink. We were fortunate enough to recently be in Athens, in Greece, one of our absolute favourite places in the world. It really is. It's got such a vibrant cocktail scene there and some amazing people doing fantastic things. And two of those amazing people, or three, shall we say, are behind the place that we're going to review now, which is called Line. And and it's open fairly recently. Certainly this year. Mm. This year. And the, the three people, um, two are from, let's name them first, uh, Vasilis Kretis and Nikos Bakulis, who are both uh, two of the partners of Moore, um, from the Clumsies, yes. which is, again, one of our favourite bars in the world and a lot of people's favourite bars. It's won so many awards. So they're from the Clumsies and they have teamed up with Dimitri Dafopoulos, um, yes. who is the co-founder of the amazing Three, Three Cents. Cents. We uh, love that. Great soda, yeah. brilliant line. So between them, all three of them have come up with this wonderful concept and it is such a great space. We we interviewed them actually right at the beginning. So please do go to our website and read the interview because it gives you much more of an insight into the background of the bar. But at that time we hadn't visited. No. So it was really lovely to be able to get behind them and see their vision in true life really and it is amazing we're so proud of these guys because they don't just come up with things for the sake of it they really put their heart and soul into everything that they do so what line is is a celebration really and discovery and manipulation in parts of fermentation yeah, that's where everything begins and ends, really, and it's isn't something it? They've been interested in for, for a, a long, very long, long time. time. They've yeah. been playing around with it, and also it's worth noting that Nikos has a background in wine, so there is a real focus on on wines here, but their own wines. So yeah. they're not doing grape wines; they're yeah. making their own wines called Wine In. So yeah. that's like W H Y hyphen I N S. Yeah. Well, it's good to jump to those, actually, mm. because we tried those and they're not, well, they're not grape for a start. No, they're all fruit-based. Yeah, and also they're not categorised by a sort of traditional white, red, rosé, etc. They are much more about what the, the f- integral flavours are, the integral ingredients. So, for instance, I had the pomegranate wine, 
and um, it's very dry really delicious and it would it, it, it i was gonna say it would work it did work well with food mm. and also talking about the ones they're divided into classic or fancy yeah so you know some of them are much more classic will have the identity and flavors of what people may associate with wine but fancy takes in details you don't find in wine so we're talking about that pomegranate one it takes in elements of smoke, rose, walnut and tomato. So it's just, you know, they, they're bonkers and yeah. brilliant and boffiny all at the same all time, the same aren't time. they? And they've brought, as they stress, they've brought their bartender knowledge. Mm. So I think a lot of what they do is about flavour and how different ingredients can work together. But they also worked with a winemaker yes, on this, didn't yes, they? Yes, 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 they did. But actually, it's my fault. We've jumped straight onto the wines. We haven't actually described the building, let's, let's have we? A yeah, let's let's go back. It's a, We always get so excited about everything that these guys do. That yeah, it's yeah, so yeah. easy to get carried away. But we'll start with the building itself, which is... It was a former art gallery, yeah, I think. I think it had been an industrial space mm. and then an art gallery yes. when they took it over. Yes, and it's a little bit out of the main drag of where you'd find that most of the yeah, bars in Athens. It's almost a sort of residential area. Yeah, and it's a real destination, but it's yeah. huge. And I can see why they went for this space, because it's a huge space, beautiful high ceilings lots of different different zones in it yeah. which you can you know beautiful outside space where you can sit outside yeah. there's just such a wonderful feel of creativity yeah. and, and excitement and, the, and the, the size of the space is important not only because of as you say for the outside space and also the bar area which is huge but also it's given them what they need and what they wanted which is a huge the back space. area yes you know because they've been doing this kind of stuff as we said earlier with fermentation and all sorts of experimentation but now they've given themselves a really big area mm. to experiment to produce their wines their and beers they make yes. free beers there. yes so it's 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 a really functional working space mm. as well so it's a celebration of fermentation and its ends product so as well as the wines cocktails beer there's also bread and oh my god the bread and the yeah. cookies there were amazing so <laughs> so that was that. good and they do have a, a restaurant as well so the cocktails i've got the list up here because there's so many so many yeah. and, and constantly changing because another thing we should say is they do a lot of seasonality stuff. yes so they're constantly either looking at stuff that's in season or they've fermented stuff in season and then go back to yeah. it and use the fermented version. Yeah, exactly. And a little bit in, in that way that I don't know if we have spoken about Little Red Door, but uh, we had Alex Francis on the on the yes. podcast talking about how they've collaborated with farms. And and these guys here at Line are working with some farms, so they'll farms. be working with them over yeah. the next three or four years to build a relationship. And this is something that I think is going to happen much more in bars as well, yeah, that absolutely. they'll partner up with local farms. And it's all and, about and, locality yeah, and yeah, celebrating yeah. flavour. And, and as well as the local farms, obviously that's the big thing, but also community. Vasilis and Nikos have been big champions for many, many years of using local ingredients. Mm, yeah, so they that have. when you go to their bars, you get a real sense of what it is to be in a great creative Greek bar. So they're, you know, they're using work with local farms. They're using local ingredients like opiorist, which, mm. we, which we've talked about on this podcast, which is a fairly new uh, spirit. spirit. Yeah. Mm. And then, so, yeah, people know Vasilis and Nikos for their cocktails. So they do have all of the things that you'd expect. They've got the Negronis, Americanos, Porn Star Spritz. They've got Pim's Cup, Lime Strawberry Daiquiri. They've got the Old Fashions and things like that. So you can get some great classic cocktails all mixed amazingly well. But it is these wines that really fascinated yeah. me. I think that that's where their creativity really comes into play. Yeah, I, I agree. But also, can I just jump back to the cocktail? Of course. Because what I think is also clever is you look at the cocktail list 
and it's really familiar. So all those kind of cocktails you've just mentioned, but you dig a little deeper, and they've all got they've got a point of difference. So mm. case in point, they've got a, a sustainable Mary, Bloody Mary. Um, but what they've done, you know, yes, there are local tomatoes involved, but also they've been really mindful of they're repurposing a mm. lot of the waste produce mm. from other drinks, other food. They are then going into that Bloody Mary. And yes, it's a great thing to do, but also it makes for a really complex, yes. interesting drink. Because I yes. tried it, it's brilliant. Yes. Yeah. And again, talking about that, so their Pim's Cup has the fancy pomegranate wine in it, you know, yeah. so they're using their wine in the cocktail. And it else, really, food, really, really is and good. And even the dry martini, the garnish on the dry martini was oil so they used oil which i think from i can't remember but i think it was like olive oil that was had been used elsewhere so that was dripped onto the dry martini mm. and you know the drinks all of them i would say we we didn't try all of them but we I saw we had. <laughs> we'll be back for yeah. sure i just think it's such a great space and you can almost feel the creativity yeah. oozing it's out like of being every... in an art gallery in it that is sense, yes that creativity but a gallery to fermentation and the celebration of drinks and and you know all of these amazing things that these guys are dreaming up all the time we were lucky enough to have a little tour at the back and yeah. see all of the their hive of activity that's sure going on nicely they would be they happy probably to show would actually yeah. it's it's great and we recommend you know athens as we said it's one of our favorite um cocktail destinations yes. in the world and we definitely definitely recommend that you pop into line because you can go for the day actually and just sort yeah. of sit there and got soak coffee, the whole thing yeah there's music there's magazines it's a real chill out space in the day and it takes on a real party atmosphere in the evening and they've got great food fantastic bread and the cookies <laughs> wow let me tell you, you they are uh, i had to take them away lot. yeah 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 i <laughs> so got yeah, some to take away love line yes buffalo trace distillery the world's most awarded distillery is proudly supporting movember by launching the great movember giveaway the great movember giveaway marks buffalo trace's commitment to the movember foundation sharing values of the importance of honest conversations about challenging the status quo of men's health and never letting them go it alone this free-to-enter competition has a number of incredible prizes up for grabs, including a Buffalo Trace Barbecue School experience, which features a four-hour barbecue session hosted by pitmaster Jack Rowbottom, bottles of Buffalo Trace and Eagle Rare, donation options, and lots more. And to top it all off, all donation prizes won through the giveaway will be matched in value by Buffalo Trace. And if that wasn't enough, you could be in with the chance of winning the trip of a lifetime to the US by heading down to your leading retailer and, subject to availability, purchasing a promotional bottle of Buffalo Trace before visiting winwithbuffalotrace.co.uk to redeem your unique code. So what are you waiting for? The competition is now open and running to the 31st of December. To enter, head to movember.winwithbuffalotrace.co.uk And keep your eyes peeled when visiting your local watering holes as over 50 bars across the UK will be running a series of activations and serving plentiful Buffalo Trace old fashions with a moustache-shaped orange peel twist. Okay, so obviously we're thinking Christmas because Christmas is coming up and it we're is. thinking about gifts for people as well. And this book is something that will appeal very much to the cocktail lovers and art lovers in your life. It's called Cocktails, A Still Life, 60 Spirited Paintings and Recipes. And the art is by a fantastic artist called Todd M. Casey, and it's written by Christine Sismondo and James Waller. Now, this book, I first came across it when we were doing research for our storytelling issue of the Cocktail Lovers the, magazine. The one that's sort of currently out now. Yes, yeah. and do do make sure that you've subscribed <laughs> to that, people. You should do, because it's a 
gem of an issue. But anyway, this book is so beautiful because, as I say, not only will it appeal to people who love cocktails, but if you are into arts, and I'm sure we all are, it's all about artistry of the glass after all. Absolutely. There's such a big overlap there. Absolutely. So this one has got wonderful recipes, but it's such a thing of beauty for the paintings inside. They're all these amazing still life oil paintings by Todd M. Casey. Now, let me pass it over to you and I'll talk about this book. Not only is it about the paintings, but it does a real deep dive into the history, traditions and stories behind each drink. So you've got some, you don't have, you know, like most of the cocktail recipe books that we've reviewed, they have these bits at the beginning with how to stock your your drinks cabinet and things like this this just gets straight into the recipes and actually lovely descriptions about each of the drinks but it's so nicely written it's really friendly and christine does this wonderful job of sort of bringing you into this friendly conversation so you feel like you're just having a chat with a friend there's bits of history there's traditions there's stories behind each drink and as i say these amazing amazing pictures yeah, which I, you've seen yeah, can, can i just say something about the pictures because i'm just do. looking at them again now and mm. they are unbelievable stunning they are so mm. wonderful they're as you said they're oil paintings yeah um almost hyper-realistic in as much as they're very uh, real, but not in that photographic sense. You don't look at them and think, oh, is that a photo? Or no, you, you know, know their they're paintings. paintings yes. But they're, they're so beautiful and they're so well styled. So some have some of the accoutrements of the drinks on the side, like some olives. Others just have nice little sort of... Uh, Objet d'art, sort mm. of this. I'm looking at a Vespa, and there's a nice little sort of China bulldog next to it. But you look at them and you just think, oh my God. So captivating. Are, I would just love to have these hanging yeah, on the wall. Yeah, exactly. And, and also, so yes, you've got those pictures which you will, honestly, I'm telling you, I def- defy anybody not to fall in love with these paintings. But you have the recipes as well. And not only that, you have these wonderful little um, pullouts on on different sections as well. So there's things like the maraschino cherry or the cocktail parasol, absinthe and the art. So just little, um, little asides as well that are pulled out by Christine and explained in such great detail. Um, the chapters are divided into occasions for drinking. Yeah. So you have daytime drinking, aperitivo hour, cocktail party, celebration, which is wonderful because that's the theme of our upcoming, our upcoming issue. issue yeah. um, and then after dinner and before bed. Have they've said that they've chosen the recipes for each section, not just on, you know, that occasion but also making sure there's a nice mix of different spirits different colors and that also it helps with the aesthetics of the paintings as well yeah so it's such a gorgeous book i totally in love with that and if i didn't have it already i would ask santa to put it in my stocking it is 16.99 which is great for this incredibly good yeah really really good book, and it's published by running press and as i say it's called cocktails a still life 60 spirited paintings and recipes by todd m casey that's the wonderful artist and it's written by christine sismondo and james waller Dawn Davis has worked in the drinks world for 20 years, all the more remarkable considering she originally studied social anthropology at Edinburgh University. But it was while living in that city she also worked in a bar, consequently falling in love with the hospitality industry. Having travelled the world, experiencing great bars and tasting amazing wines, she returned to the UK in 2002, determined to work in a top London restaurant. Not only did she realise that ambition, she went on to make her name as a leading London sommelier at Zuma Restaurant, Gordon Ramsay's Boxwood Cafe and The Square in Mayfair before opening and running the Ledbury and gaining a Michelin star in the process. Legendary store Selfridges then beckoned, joining as the head wine and spirits buyer, going on to win four awards there while also achieving her Master of Wine, no less. 
In 2015, she moved to Speciality Drinks as Bind Director, where her love of wine was joined by a passion for spirits, especially whiskey. Today, she also runs the company's prestigious shows and heads up its retail teams. With Christmas and New Year just around the corner, there couldn't be a better person to share top tips on wine and spirits. Dawn, welcome to the Cocktail Lovers podcast. Thank you. Dawn, let's start at the beginning when we first met, because that was um, in the Selfridges days when you were a wine and spirits buyer. How does buying for a store like that compare to the buying that you're doing now? I think, you know, in, in some ways, any buying's buying. You know, you you choose product that you're passionate about. You you choose product that looks great, that has a great story, that has great credentials from a sustainability point of view. But I think the real difference is, well, there's twofold from, from the Whiskey Exchange. One, I'm also buying for the on-trade, but I'm also buying for web customers. And I think, you know, the good thing about Selfridges, I could go down into the stores, I could meet the people, I could talk to them, you know, you could understand what they were looking for. And then suddenly when you get to a web customer, you're like, no I don't know who these people are. <laughs> it's everybody. <laughs> and also, yeah, um, but you know the good thing is we do still have bricks and mortar stores, so um, I very much spend time with them every Christmas. You can find me there for the last two weeks, sort of punting my wares. And you know, I think it, it's—I it, mean, it's a beast. This company is a big company, and you know, in in the respects of the turnover for us is much greater than Selfridges. So, you know, your ways of buying are different. You know, with Selfridges, you're you're playing around with the fact that it's Selfridges and it's beautiful and it's luxury and everyone wants to be there. Here, yes, it's still the whiskey exchange. Everyone wants to work with us, but it's definitely more about sort of doing deals and spreadsheets and less exciting legal glamorous well, also, stuff. <laughs> you do run these amazing shows that you do throughout the year. So I guess you can come into contact with your customers that way. Does that help you as well? A hundred percent. You know, we have a lot of touch points with our customers because we love our customers. You know, we have some of the most amazing people that we we sell to and we, we talk to all the time. You know, there's the most amazing geeks <laughs> in that the are best just, way. Like, so yeah. passionate about everything. <laughs> Yeah, in the best way possible. And also, you know, just people that really want to learn and gain insight. And I think that's why the shows are vital to what we do. You know, they're, they're probably my favorite times of the year when we do, we have cognac show, rum show now, whiskey show, champagne show, and, and then we do various events throughout the year. And, and just being able to talk to people, being able to go out and sort of get an idea of what they're excited by. Also, a bit of a bar for, <laughs> and I love going into bars and sitting there and talking. I'll talk to We've anyone. Seen to you, be fair. We've I mean, seen like... you. <laughs> <laughs> so you know, I think talking to your customers is so important because you know, without customers, I don't have a job. So if I don't understand who I'm buying for and, and how I'm buying them, uh, and buying them what they want, then it, it's it's really hard. Uh, we mentioned in, in the introduction that you were originally very much a, a wine person and then came into spirits and and you came into spirits via wine, if you like. So um, are there any synergies between the two that you've observed or learned over the years? Yeah, 100%. If you like good food, if you like good spirits, if you like good wine, you'll like the opposite way around, you know. And I, I find huge frustration and it's something that I've really made it sort of one of my missions to go out and do is that, you know, I go to an amazing restaurant and I get to the end of the meal and I'd love a really great whiskey or a great rum or whatever. And, and I, I get to the, the list and I'm like, oh, maybe not. You know, but the reverse is true. I go to a bar and, you know, I want a glass of wine or a great glass of champagne. And, you know, it's terrible. And it drives me insane that people don't look at it from both perspectives. And luckily, I think that's very, very much changing. You know, I've definitely seen a lot of bars doing much more work on it, especially their champagne lists. I think restaurants are starting to care a lot more about spirits. I think there's a there's starting to become a crossover between the two. And, you know, that for me is hugely exciting because I, I love both categories equally. I, I couldn't say that I loved one more than the other. But I just think, you know, if you want good booze, you want good booze. It's simple, you know. And, and actually, it's kind of made in the same way, except in... The experience, you have this thing called distillation, you know, but everything's being fermented in the beginning and everything's like 
being produced in the very initial stages similarly, which I think is, and then you just put it in a still and it comes out stronger. You know, that's, that's I think it sounds so easy. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <But> <laughs> Every distiller out there is about to kill me <laughs> right now. What were the biggest discoveries or misconceptions that you encountered during your spiritual journey? <laughs> um, I think, you know what, I, I think the fact that people very, very much get sort of stuck in their ways about certain things and, and people are very brand led or, you know, very loyal to that side of things. And I think actually getting people to say, I can step out of this, you know, I don't like Chablis. Well, you might, you just need to find the right one. I don't like, you know, I, I hate the phrase I don't like, because actually I genuinely think that if you can find something, there is something for everyone. And, you know, I think we work in a really fantastic industry because everyone wants to give you knowledge. Everyone is really excited to teach you or tell you something, you know. Every time I walk into a bar or to a restaurant, I learn something new. You know, like, And I think it's it's that, you know, you that can that maybe that preconception that maybe I know everything. Well, no, of course you don't. You you can. It's such a crazily large, broad subject, both wines and spirits. And and I think it's it's having I always say to people, you know, I encourage them to kind of look outside their comfort zones because they never know what they're going to find. And they may find something just so amazing and, and something that they'll fall in love with. And I think for me, that's probably the thing that I go up against quite a lot that you and also that we're out to kind of push you into the, the highest, most expensive price. Market. And we're not, we, you know, genuinely, we just want to find something that you enjoy and and I think, but being very clear from a consumer point of view and saying, you know, this is what I want to spend. Even if you just say that between this price and this price, then as a, you know, someone that's guiding you or someone that's recommending, it gives me a much better understanding of how to guide. Because of course, price is key. Are people getting a bit better about that now, sort of opening up, you know, and, and actually admitting that they've only got, say, £30 to spend on something? Are they much more open to that now? I think so. I think people are genuinely a bit more kind of open. And, and I think, you know, there's nothing to be embarrassed by. I, I don't care what you have to spend. I just want to sell you something you're going to love. And, you know, I think in a restaurant, if you don't want to say, because you're with guests and you don't you know want to look, point to a price point and just say, I'm looking at around here. You know, I think there's ways of getting around it without Maybe even if you don't want to say it, say you'll find a product in shop and just say, oh, I'm thinking of something around this price. You you don't have to go and say, oh, I'm going to spend 25 pounds. Actually, there's ways of doing it that maybe is less embarrassing for yourself if that's something you're super conscious about. Well, with that in mind, that thing about how we as customers and in, interact with you, what do you think are the biggest changes that you've seen in the last few years about our sort of buying habits our drinking habits um i think what's been absolutely amazing about covid and one of the things that i genuinely will be really thankful for about that whole period because there was much that you couldn't be thankful for but it really gave people the time and the space the access to learning about spirits and wines and i think people are so much less sort of They've got much more knowledge. And for me, that's so exciting to be able to talk to customers that actually genuinely have more knowledge and are willing to step outside their comfort zone and try different things. Gin, I have to give gin credit for that as well. I think gin made people less brand loyal. You know, I think people were much more willing to go out and experiment. And for me, that's perfect because it just means I can (laughs) buy more. (laughs) Absolutely. Very happy customers on that side. And speaking of gins or spirits, do you have a particular favourite spirit category? Little Bird tells me, I think you're a rum girl, are you? Yes. (laughs) I am a hundred percent. You know, I I love all spirits. I love all categories. I'm interested in everything, but I just I love rum. What What is it about that? Tell us. Describe your passion. I think you know it. It's my friend puts it really, really well. He says, if you're drinking a rum and you're not smiling, you're drinking the wrong rum. And there is definitely something about rum as a spirit, as category, as the people that are in it. That it's a very joyful spirit 
and and also with rum, you you can go from an unaged rum all the way up to an aged one. And and I think that sort of versatility within the category, which you don't have to the same degree in any other category, is super exciting. You know, I can have an unaged Claran, which is definitely one of my favorite things <laughs> in the entire universe, all the way to kind of a beautiful kind of 15, 20 year old rum that's got so much complexity and and it's still not overpriced, which I think sometimes now with whiskey, we're finding that the prices are going up and it's less affordable. And, you know, I, I genuinely get just a lot of joy from from it. And I think that's just simple, isn't it? <laughs> and also people have been saying for a long while that rum is the next big thing. Do you see that coming more? It's here already. It's here already. You know, I think I said five years ago that rum would be the next big thing. And everyone looked at me, gin, gin. And I was like, gin's going to go down. Rum's going to come up. And I was right. Um, I'm on to the next trend now. (laughs) I'm watching vodka. Ah, we've said that premium vodka. Yes. I I genuinely think it's going to come back. Uh, I think actually it was something that was going to probably be a five-year trend, but the war with Russia has accelerated that put vodka onto people's radar a lot lot sooner than I think it would have done. Um, you know, I'm seeing a lot more people going out and drinking vodka martinis or asking for vodka martinis in bars. And there's some good vodkas out there at the moment. There are some great vodkas out there. And I think it's it's not about vodka being this bland, boring thing that, you know, it has no flavor. There's so many great vodkas. Um, so I'm really watching that. I'm watching the French spirits. I think there's something very interesting happening in France right now. There's 40 new whiskey distilleries opening. Cognac Calvados is on fire right now. I think Armagnac's just waiting in the wings. So, yeah, I think what's quite fun now is that I think because people are more adventurous and probably going outside the stuff, there's not just like one spirit that's kind of really doing well. You know, we're seeing bitters doing incredibly well, vermouths doing. I think actually genuinely there's a great growth across the category. I think what's really, really key, though, is this idea of sustainability and this idea of transparency. I think those are the two really big focuses that if, if you know, that, that my, my customers are sort of asking for now. And also another one is um, locality as well, do you think? Yeah, I think so. I think gin did that very much. And we're seeing a lot more kind of, you know, you look at the UK right now, there's suddenly there's loads of English vermouths here. There's, I've just had across my desk a fantastic Akavit from produced from London. And I was just like, this is beautiful liquid. And I think, you know, people are trying, of course, because gin's kind of on the wane. Um, you know, I think we're seeing a lot more local people trying to do different things. Rum, you know, Scottish rum insanely good everything um, goes yeah, everything we would totally agree with what you're just saying there about there's so many sort of different things come from different areas uh, are we also now opening our minds a lot more seasonally because historically you know you'd think oh i drink a light daiquiri or a light rum sort of in the summer and then i go into my dark spirits in the winter are we playing with that a lot more now um I think people will always stick to a degree to seasonality just because it suits the temperature or the mood. I think there are definitely spirits. But but what I think is now happening is that the sort of traditional darker spirits, the aged spirits, are actually trying to appeal more to a year round. I mean, we see a lot of work with what um, Cognac's been doing, trying to drive the serve of drinking with sort of ginger ale or tonic. Um, I think, you know, you're seeing a lot of these sort of lighter style drinks trying to be relevant for a consumer through cocktails and stuff in, in winter. So I think we will always drink seasonally. I just think that we're, I think what the brands are doing is trying to kind of mitigate that to a degree and try not to make it so much about spikes and peaks and troughs. But I just tell you, you know, people do yeah, drink yeah. water. <laughs> we do. We do drink <laughs> you drink the Christmas. Yeah. Yeah. It's just yeah, a thing. It's exactly. not going anywhere. <laughs> and so on that note, so for our listeners who are thinking about stocking up for the holiday period, what do you recommend they, how do you recommend they go about building a really nice, not wildly expensive, but a good basic drinks cabinet that will see them through the holiday season? I think you've got to think about, you know, one, what do you want to drink? you know, and what do your friends want to drink? So I think for me, it's about sort of saying, okay, if I know, like, I really want to make Negronis this Christmas, you know, get yourself a really good Rosso vermouth, get yourself a really good bitter, get yourself maybe a couple of really good bottles of gin. And, you know, 
it's about sort of saying, right, you know, what do I need? What do I like? I mean, I always think it's so good just to kind of have the basics, vodka, a gin, a rum, unaged or aged, because actually you can mix both, just whatever you like, and and try and think about the the different uses you can have for things. So, for example, don't be afraid to buy a a vermouth to make a martini with a, a, you know, dry vermouth, because actually you don't need to use the entire bottle. You could just put that into a risotto or, you know, use it in a different way. So don't, you know, maybe think outside the box. Don't be afraid that, oh, my God, I'm going to be left with this thing. And also remember, with the exception of things like vermouths and sort of lower ABV things, these things last. So, you know, go out, give yourself the real kind of basics that you can do loads of different things from, and then maybe layer in something super special like a great cognac or a great Calvados or a really nice bottle of whiskey that you can treat yourself with. Because I think actually what we always forget about Christmas, you know, it's about giving gifts, but it's also about gift to self, no? <laughs> oh, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I'd never forget that. <laughs> <laughs> and also go out and get a great cocktail book. I think that's super key and like you know read stuff like what you guys are doing because it's you know it's really good to kind of get different riffs and different ideas on things that are actually you know okay I can make cocktails to save my life there's a reason I go out drinking but even I if I put my mind to it and I'm not lazy can make a cocktail <laughs> absolutely yeah absolutely <laughs> sure it's worth can. saying that because people think they're more complicated than they are but they actually are not so good tip you're talking about gifting and of course we are going to gift ourselves but um you know in the spirit of uh, being altruistic like what what will you be thinking about gifting this year i mean i just gift booze like i work literally the entire way up to christmas this is my last weekend off until christmas day and so basically the only christmas shopping i do is in the whiskey exchange <laughs> good good customer <laughs> and one year actually it was quite funny. I remember thinking, do you know what? Maybe I'll just do something a bit different this year. Let, 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 let's go and find some other things. I had so many complaints. It wasn't even funny. Oh, <laughs> <really>? <laughs> you know, I think when you're buying a gift for someone, I, we have this as a question quite a lot. You know, I want to buy a gift, but I don't know what they drink. You know, actually, when you start to kind of draw people out from it, I, you know, I'll be like, does any of these, do any of these things look familiar? And, and normally you've seen someone drink something or you'll have a vague idea. But then also don't be afraid to ask. So, you know, I always say to people, look, if you really genuinely don't know what they want and you know that they want a whiskey, let me go for something super safe that's really good, that other people love, that, you know, so something like a Balvenie or a Glenfiddich, where there's a little bit of kind of safety within a brand that's known, but also super good liquid. So I think always ask the question of of people in the shops because genuinely they want to help. You know, that's what they're there for. Um, you know, especially my team, they're amazing down down in London Bridge, Covent Garden and Great Portland Street. You know, they're they're really, really good guys. And if you are shopping online, read the descriptions. It, you know, it does genuinely tell you quite a lot. Like use things. We have things like flavor camps on our rum and our whiskeys that are super helpful. So if you know someone likes, I don't know, like something soft and, and easy drinking, then we have kind of a category that will reflect that. So, you know, I think it's about, and sometimes it's about maybe choosing something you love you can maybe inspire someone else to drink. I think, you know, risk recommendations, read what people are writing about and talking about what they're getting excited about. I think all of those things can give you a really nice guide to something that actually can feel quite scary if you don't know spirits that well. And actually, genuinely, you know what you like, you know what flavours you like, you know what your friend's flavours that they like. So, you know, tell them. If you, if you know your friend likes, you know, blueberry wine gums or whatever they are, <laughs> say that and i'll be like okay i've got a gin for you (laughs) yeah 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 that's great that's really good tips and what will you be drinking during and drinking and serving during the holiday season dawn do you know what i love i mean i I, i'm a sommelier that's my background so i I always pair wine and food and i I think my my mom decided we were going to have something like grouse this year so like a game bird but so for me like things like light pinot noirs or even a a beautiful sort of oak chardonnay um riesling goes with everything frankly i mean just drink riesling that's all i'm saying um i love you know things like i'll I'll definitely have a rum somewhere in the during the day uh champagne of course I'm a champagne girl. What can I say? Uh, I think, you know, like for me, it's a time where I, I'll buy myself a special bottle or like to share with my family. And, 
you know, we, it's funny, my mom doesn't drink a lot, neither do my aunt, uncle or my, and my partner. So, you know, it's just me. <laughs> 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 but, you know, it's just giving them something that's maybe that, that they wouldn't normally get to drink. Yeah, and, and also to share. It's a lovely thing to share with Absolutely. People, and, you know, me and my team always have a glass of champagne on the last day of work and just, you know, kind of raise a toast to getting through another Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> oh, fantastic. Oh, it's been great. And also your tips have been fantastic. Um, and we will put all of the details of the whiskey exchange shops up on the on our show notes, and also the the dates of your um, shows. I mean, you may not have them ready for next year, but there you are. Okay, <laughs> but we'll put them up so people know when they are, thank which you. is great. So, thank you so much, Dawn, for sharing your thank wonderful you knowledge and passion, and just genuinely good vibes yeah with us. thank you so much yes yeah, so <laughs> thank you Dawn. there's a brand new issue of the cocktail lovers magazine coming soon and it's the celebration issue in it we're celebrating celebrations not just christmas and new year but reasons to celebrate all year round yes there's a fair share of five star but also how to celebrate on more modest budgets plus the people, places, products and much more that we think you'll love. You can pre-order your copy in print or digital now and you can set up a gift print subscription complete with personalised message. For details, simply go to thecocktaillovers.com slash magazine.